Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. is in excess access all areas the podcast that is helping to get in excess into the rock hall of fame but we need your help we need you to share and send the love out we need to create momentum and make some noise together and get in excess nominated into the rock hall of fame where they deserve to be we have a fabulous patron program with lots of rewards starting from as little as five dollars all the way up to 30 starting with the bronze you will get a mention each week elevating to a silver you will be able to enter the competition gold will give you further invites into our zoom chats which are awesome or you could become one of our amazing platinum members and get early uploads and a lot more and if you can email in excess aaagmail.com your address we will send you out a welcome pack thank you enjoy Well, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, the podcast that aims to dive deep into the legacy of this band, get them in the Rock Hall of Fame, and also set the record straight. Uh, well, there's a lot of myths out there about NXS, good, bad, and ugly, and we want to just make sure that this is the, the truth teller podcast where you all become extra educated, but also the facts become reality. So, B, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. I like how you said that then. That was rather nice because you are informing a lot of people. A lot of my mates are actually saying, I've never known so much about In Excess and they're telling me and they're buying all the books and the records and they keep sharing me. It's good fun. It's good fun. Well, look, sometimes as I said, like uh, without sounding like a a certain president trying to be, uh, uh, well, re-winning an election, there's a lot of fake news out there occasionally, be in the uh, media landscape, and there are some uh, uh, myths that have been perpetrated about lots of topics over life and journeys. And mm-hmm. sometimes within excess, there are some things there that don't quite add up from mm-hmm. uh, some people's perceptions. Whereas often it's actually there's more truth behind something. Now, yes. without getting too personal and technical, like mm-hmm. um, you know, for example, everyone thinks, "Oh, in excess were a band of the '80s." Well, no, they started in the '70s, and they did well in the 90s and the music evolved. So, you know, to lump, lump them into a uh, uh, an era of uh, luminaries like Kajagoogoo and Men Without Hats and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, middle 80s Bon Jovi would be uh, wrong. Yeah, and it's not just all about Michael. It's about all six of them as well. Correct. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was rather like, oh, good, without- but let's, let's be honest, it, yeah. he wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the others. Well, it's interesting with Andrew sort of doing a lot of media stuff. Uh, it's interesting some of the journalists interview him like, oh, yeah, you're the co-writer. Oh, okay. You know, I'm thinking, for Christ's sake, of course he's the co-writer, you know. Where mm-hmm. have you been? Under a rock. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it's probably giving a, a greater sense of the band contribution and we've been able to do that through some of the uh, individual member deep dives. And um, But, yeah, we want to have fun doing this most importantly and, and also have fun with our listeners out there and, and, and assist the band in their quest for uh, – nomination to the hall of fame 
And before we go on, I want to say a huge, huge welcome to, I think there's about 270 new listeners this week. Wow. 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 (laughs) That's huge. I'm feeling some pressure now to perform. (laughs) I feel a bit naked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hmm. look, we hope you make it to episode two. uh, And uh, I guess if you're hearing this episode, you've made it to episode 26 now. So it is starting to move in that direction. Um, And we look, we do know also, what's interesting some people have jumped onto the podcast are playing in them in different orders you know they've yeah. maybe located a kick you know deep dive in the last couple of weeks and oh yeah I'll check that out and then have found the other episodes so however you find us however you listen to us whatever order um we just hope that you're enjoying it and, and feel like it's something that's adding uh to your day and week whilst we're in this uh, global pandemic as always, B, we also like to welcome all of our patrons who have been loyal listeners, contributors, uh, both financially and through fan engagement. Uh, we like to welcome, plus any new patrons, which I think there might be, you know, one or two there this week. So, um, over to you. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Okay, here we go. Hello to Pedro, Lisa Urban, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah, Laurie, Carmen, Sudi, Matt, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Anne-Marie, Lisa Calloway, Ali Law, Lisa McIntosh, Kathy, Carrie-Anne, Virginia, Vern, Caroline, Dr. Jim, Susan, and our latest person to um, come on board is Amanda. Hi, Amanda. And Amanda's coming in with her mom from Kansas. Thank you. Can't wait to speak to you soon. All right. But uh, last week, we did have a bit of a competition out there, which was sort of geared around uh, a medley. And uh, we sort of like to be, uh, I guess, versatile on our podcast, but also be consistent to some degree. But last week, rather than do one cover song, we did do four on the way out. So as listeners know, most weeks we will do an in-excess cover or some sort of tribute song. Uh, but for the Kick album, there were so many covers to choose from. We thought we'd do a medley of uh, artists covering in-excess and those four particular main singles off the album. Uh, it was a bit of a frenetic textathon, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> people trying to guess. And it was really interesting. Some people got three out of four and then the other person got three out of four, but they had the different three out of four. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess... It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to reveal, I guess, the answers. Uh, the first one, Need You Tonight, the cover, which I think was a live rendition, uh, was by Justin Timberlake. Hmm. So uh, it was a very brassy sort of dancey sort of uh, sound, but... Uh, Justin's always loved that song and plays it. I think most concerts he plays live, he generally pulls that out. So that was the first one, which most people texting and got. Uh, The second one was for Devil Inside. Um, I think that was a beautiful version of that by uh, London Grammar. Very nice. Uh, I think that version, that song was for one of the new seasons at the time of Game of Thrones that came out. It was like an advertorial (laughs) for that. I must admit, I've never watched the show, but uh, I remember when that uh, video and slash slowdown version of Devil on Side came out. Uh, mm. Naturally, I had a bit of a look at the video and things. So, yeah, a really stripped back version and a really alternate type uh, sort of play on that song. So, London Grammar uh, were number two. Uh, third one was New Sensation, and that was by Snow Patrol. So, um, 
I know the band and lead singer have always been big fans and respect in excess from uh, Snow Patrol. And um, I think there's a live version where uh, he drops the F-bomb like I F and love in excess. You know? <laughs> um, but again, a bit of a slowed down version of New Sensation. Um, and that was the one that I think troubled most people. I had a few people yeah. think it was Bono and uh, that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fourth one uh, for Never Tear Us Apart, which is the cover version, we had a bit of a duo on that, B. I might uh, share, I might get you to share who those were singing that. It wasn't too hard to guess, was it? Oh, it was the gorgeous Natalie on Bruglio. Natalie Bruglio, yep, yep. And Tom Jones. Yeah. Well, as soon as I heard the Tom Jones vocal, I'm going, <laughs> I think people in Mars knew it was Tom Jones. But yeah, I think that, <laughs> that was on his uh, sort of covers album. I think in the late 90s, he did a, a big covers album of a whole bunch of songs. And uh, yeah, they did a sort of duo of that. So we thought it was a bit of fun, uh, but it can only be one winner. And I, I, I will uh, handball the announcement to you, B. Who was the winner who got those four in eventually right and first off the bat? Oh my goodness. It was an absolute like fight to the death and you all got it within 20 minutes. Are you ready? And you're not going to give me a drum roll. Okay. And the winner is, take it away. Lisa Mack. Lisa Macintosh. (laughs) I'm so proud it was Uh, Lisa. Lisa. Yay. Well done. But what does she win? She's got one of um, Clemo's books. No, she hasn't. No, no, that's the other prize. No, she has got the T-shirt. Oh, wow. And that's the one that yeah. I think comes from Richard's, uh, Richard Simpkins' uh, online store, the sort of yes. uh, uh, portrait of Michael, the uh, minimalist version, I guess, portrait, isn't it? A self-portrait that Michael did really quickly and he's made into a beautiful T-shirt. You can get it in many colours. I've actually put the um, website link onto last week's a description yes. so yeah. you can find that easily. But going back to the people that were um, scrambling, Virginia was on the way to pick the kids up and she must have texted me about four times. I feel like I need to give her a little prize. She really tried so hard. Really tried. I guess, you know, keep going, keep going. Hey, look, listen, and there's, it's, it's, it's tough, <laughs> tough in the competition world out there. Better luck next time, Virginia. One and winner. The, and then the other guy was Matt Dean. Well done, Matt. You, you yeah. got there in the end, but oh, well, that, I think those guys could be uh, coming on to our Calling the Nations podcast soon as, as newer yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, patrons, which is great. So they're a new patron. Congratulations, yeah. Lisa. And now it's time for the excess news with Hayden from around the world. All right, news of the week, B. Well, you know, we have probably rest on our laurels the last couple of weeks, bathing in the glory of the diamond status uh, accreditation of the greatest hits album for the very best uh, of in excess in Australia. 311 weeks in the charts. However, that big increase from a week or two ago has now seen a decrease. We've gone from sort of 33 back out to 45. Right. So... Those 270 <laughs> new listeners need to go out and make sure they've got the latest copy of this uh, album yeah. for Christmas, for your grandchildren, for your grandparents, for your children, for your auntie, for your uncle. <laughs> Get and out Presents there. in the family. Christmas <laughs> is coming. Great gift. Put it in the car. Uh, whatever it is, you know. Download, uh, download. <laughs> brainwash, brainwash, brainwash. So, uh, which is good. Um, also, too, in terms of media, uh, well, in terms of news this week, 
there was a big event in Australia. There was probably two. We have our probably equivalent to the Super Bowl and, you know, the uh, FA Cup and things like that. We have uh, what we call our Australian Rules Grand Final and we also have our National Rugby League Grand Final. Well, uh, being from the New South Wales area there, Andrew himself was invited down to play uh, at the Grand Final and uh, playing guitar and, and sort of support vocals for a Australian, an Australian artist called Amy Shark. Naomi Shark has broken out internationally uh, in Australia. She's won a bunch of awards. Um, she has, um, I think, sold more records of sales in Australia in the last year or two than most other artists. Um, mm. So, yeah, she sung Never Tear Us Apart at the particular uh, uh, NRA Grand Final. darling. Love yeah. her to bits. Um, and I will allude to another guest in a moment there, but Andrew got out there and was playing... Uh, uh, I guess the part vocal role and part guitar there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, I know the uh, the fans, as soon as they saw him, the sort of the crowd lifted yeah. and there was a bit of an energy there, surge there, which yeah. was good. Yeah. Um, I know and we then- played... Well, no, I'll, I'll hold back on that in a moment because it relates <laughs> to something else. But uh, uh, I know also, too, uh, that um, the uh, grand final itself, uh, you know, we posted that on, I think, our site because a lot of people are like, oh, how many songs were played? It was only sort of the one in excess reference. Uh, but going into just a couple of things, uh, I know within last week we did talk about the Kick album. It's like every week there's an anniversary at the moment. It's like 33 years since Kick was released. So it's mm-hmm. sort of through serendipity. It's uh, been a timely review time, even though uh, we didn't really time it to be at the same point of, of the anniversary. But um, I know there's been a bit of discussion within our online community that uh, a lot of people overseas have been buying the green vinyl edition. Like there's been about three or 4,000 released. Um, and I was thinking back, like in the UK and I think in Australia, we've had that come out. So um, I did go online today and have a look around and there's plenty of sites around the world where you can order that, uh, which is great. Um, I guess uh, from uh, a collector's point of view, like Pedro, he probably has four versions of the green one, uh, you know, and different versions of the deluxe edition. But um, it is a bit of a, a deep dive for fans, you know, Uber fans getting that. Um, but uh, our last thing I want to talk about with Media Wars, B, we, we've sort of taken a slight comic turn with all the news and things with NXS. As we've said, Andrew has gone from sort of cellar dweller, Mr. Shy Brian Wilson, beach boy up the back to front and centre. Look at me with my hat mm. and I'm out the front and I'm, I'm mm. absolutely and I'm loving on the this, telly. I'm loving this <laughs> Facebook thing. He's, he's, he's been, this week, he's been on a Songwriters Universe uh, magazine. There's a very big publication, an online publication called uh, Songwriters Universe. He's done a big deep dive into his, his writing with uh, In Excess and his, his uh, country stuff. Um, he's obviously popped up at the grand final, but um, look, probably number two on our list and, and, and uh, the guy who just doesn't like to be outdone at all by Andrew and it's not <laughs> shy John up in Byron Bay. It's not Gary over in LA. It's not Tim who's just moving house and dealing with boxes at the moment, uh, but it is Kirk. And Kirk loves to, to trump for the want of a better word, Andrew's media time. So I'm watching the grand final the other day and then there's Andrew mm. up there. Mm. And then they flash to the saxophone bit in Never Tear Us Apart. And there's Kirk. Oh, no. He's, he's crashed the grand final with his saxophone. He's going, Andrew, 
I've seen your one or two media gigs this week and I'm going to up you by coming into the grand final from nowhere with my saxophone and I'm going to play the saxophone bit just to let you know that you're not winning this media battle. It's all about me. It was funny, wasn't he? He was all crouched down. He must have just sided in. It and popped then up he from just, nowhere. It was like, you know. Um, it was triumphant. Little, it was like that little gnome in the guard just sort of popped out. You're like, hang on, we was, didn't see that. So, you know, Kurt. I liked how someone said he held it up like a trophy. It was like <laughs> magnificent. And the crowd went berserk. So, went uh, nuts, yeah. So, so, as I said, you know, there's a, a, a touch of humour in this, but uh, I reckon there is a little bit of media battle going on. I think it's <laughs> going to go down to the why, Kirk versus Andrew in Media Wars uh, this year. So, and then uh, John will come out. <laughs> well, you know, John's very happy. Farmer tonight. <laughs> I think Gary's the dark horse. Gary was posted on Facebook the other day uh, at a restaurant and uh, signing things and stuff like that. So Gary's a bit of the dark horse. He's got an album from remote. So he's, he's my sort of, he's the, he's the sort of the quiet achiever that it could, could threaten this duopoly. Well, B, we have a very special guest this week. Uh, we've spoken a little bit about his uh well, upcoming event on our show. And look, we can't be more proud than having this particular interview go to air. Uh, Nick Egan, for those who don't know, uh, is from the UK. He was born in the late 50s uh, and was very much into design and into art and uh, was very fortunate, I guess, and also very talented talented to get involved with The Clash right around the pivotal time and around 1976 with uh, some of the album covers and things like that uh, back in the UK. Um, his skill in design and those particular areas led him to work with uh, the Sex Pistols, uh, with Malcolm McLaren there. Uh, he started covering and doing designs for bands such as Banana Rama, Culture Club, uh, I guess In Excess, as we will touch upon today. Uh, he designed more album covers that eventually lent him going to America, where he worked with Bob Dylan. Uh, he worked with Dexy's Midnight Runners. Uh, D-Light, remember Groove in the Heart, B? You remember that mm-hmm. song? Um, Iggy Pop, uh, you know, uh, he ended up working with the New York Dolls, uh, as I said, uh, a whole bunch of, of bands, Cult, um, some of the stuff of the Doors on their retrospective soundtracks. Um, he did a ton of stuff. Um, mm. His big probably break came in the early 90s where he got involved with video. And uh, just check this out for some of the videos that he's directed. Uh, think of Alanis Morissette, her most famous <gasps> song, You Ought to Know. Well, no. he directed that. Wow. Uh, the Bee Gees had a hit in the uh, 90s called Alone. He directed that. Uh, he worked with Bon Jovi uh, in video directions. Uh, Carol King, Cheap Trick, um, uh, Kylie Minogue, Mick Jagger, Oasis, Rod Stewart, Silverchair, uh, Terence Trent Darby, UB40. Um, a mm-hmm. massive array. Massive. I think he's did, yeah, directed over a hundred videos, and wow. um, I guess from a, 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 I guess an industry point of view, he was uh, also nominated uh, for MTV Awards with the Soup Dragons, uh, which was obviously a fantastic sort of, I guess, recognition for his uh, direction, etc. There, um, he uh, also was uh, given sort of the chance to get involved in Hollywood with some movies and some directing and some of those, uh, which was great. Uh, I guess we're very fortunate that, you know, through his travels and probably why he's on our podcast is that he was the guy that really branded the Kick album. 
Um, and obviously, we're going to really dive deep into that today and, and go into his relationship with Michael and just the in-excess experience. And as we've said to a lot of our, our listeners, when we get a guest on, our goal is to take you back in time to a time and a place where none of us were there, but get a first-hand account of what actually uh, it was like and what was the, the uh, I guess, the period about and what was the, you know, the, the takeout bits and the anecdotes and some of the heartfelt stories that people who were close to the band and particularly Michael can now, you know, share with us some 10, 20, 30 years later. So um, we think that this particular podcast uh, will probably run over sort of two episodes because there's just so much sort of material. Uh, We think uh, you'll hopefully enjoy it as much as we did in putting it together. So over to Nick. Hey, this is Tim Farris and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now for Topic of the Week. Down there, nineteen eighty six. Yeah, eighty six. Eighty six. Eighty six. When I went down to New Kit, and and I thought that, I thought it was great. I thought the Australian music scene was 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 great, as good as any that I've ever been involved with. It was it was really a great community. Um, but were you into like like still Cold Chisel and um, and AACDC and and yeah. Pete Farnham and people like that? Uh, Johnny Farnham. Johnny Farnham. I mean, Johnny yeah, Farnham. And, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I guess in Australia, one of the things that Michael often would say in interviews was that you grow up with, uh, you know, in excess metallic and Aretha Franklin on the same radio dial. I know yeah, but- in, in California and America, everything's been very formatted for years that, you know, you have yeah. a very much a stylistic type of sound on each radio station. Whereas in Australia, the sheer lack of volume and of population, the volume of radio stations, we got a really good mix of stuff. And, in excess and midnight oil were very um uh they weren't competing amongst themselves but the fan base often were one was more in excess one was midnight oil cold chisel um acdc you know was definitely there in that early days um i think the no, light well, yeah i think the light i mean one thing we've talked about on our podcast is the difficulty in australian acts breaking overseas because you really have to go start again um in ex- yeah yeah NACDC went to the UK and America quite early, which was smart when they had the energy. Right. So, so what international bands did you like? Obviously, uh, I mean, because we your experience very much like it is in England. We had one TV show, Top of the Pops. Yep. Everything in the whole country saw it. We had Radio 1, so we'd listen, be listening to ABBA. Yep. We'd be listening like, yeah, and you see on Top of the Pops, they'd have like um, Roxy Music and yep. and it was It was completely across the board. It wasn't one I, I think we had the similar show countdown in Australia with Molly Meldrum, who I'm sure you've met. 
Eve's character he was. Yeah. So, so, so anything on that as a kid, I mean, you know, ACDC, U2, um, Chick uh, or Chic, uh, Roxy, yeah. I loved uh, Talking Heads around that time. Um, right. Yeah. Ab- Abba? Abba? <laughs> the same, the same, Chris Bailey. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I saw, them, I saw them play at the Roundhouse in London. They were the Australian, the first Australian punk band. You know, and the other thing, the other band, which is interesting because I was a punk, and one of the very early punks, I went to see the Pistols and the Clash at the 100 Club and all that, was, but what was happening exactly the same time was Split Ends. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I love that. I love that band. They were so, they were, you know, I mean, obviously not Australian, New Zealand. Yeah. And, and I think, if you live down that way, you can tell they're from New Zealand rather than yeah. Australia. Um, but great guys, and and again, very tight with Michael and Jenny Morris is a good friend. Is a good, was a good friend of mine, and yeah. And when I was there, it was a it was a great great scene, and 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 I, and I think that. Um, but my whole philosophy about NXS was when I saw Michael, and I've told this a few times, but. You know, I heard this song. I didn't know anything about them. I just knew they had that really weird name, Inkses, or Inks. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in New York, living in New York, and my friend Ali Newling, who's also was a good friend of Michael's, and, she, and I said, "Oh, I heard that, what you need come on the radio." I said, "I love this song." And she goes, "Oh, she goes, that's my friend Michael. He's his band. He goes, you know what? They're playing Madison Square Gardens in a couple of weeks." She said, "You sh- do you want to go?" I said, yeah, I'd love to see him. And she said, you know what? I bet you and Michael get on really well. So I went to the show, but this is the thing. Michael, yeah, I, I, I joined at that point. That's when I got into the next test was, was, uh, was the um, Listen Like Thieves. And, and, yeah. and, and great, but it was really weird because I, 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 I didn't know what Michael looked like. Yeah. I, I saw the video and he kind of, you know. Yes. Now I, I thought John Farris is Michael. Yeah. And, and they all had that similar haircut. So I was really... The music. When I saw them play live, I was like, "Wow, he's, what a great frontman!" Yeah. How I was also working with um, the Psychedelic Furs at the, yeah. around um, Richard Butler, and yeah. um, I remember walking down the street with Richard Butler. More people recognised Richard Butler than Michael. The Michael uh, in excess, and Michael sold over a million records. And I thought that's that's weird. So that clicked in my head. And so when I when I said to Michael, I said, "You know what? You, I'd love to do your record cover." Yeah, we became friends. We went out and stayed that late, and we we we, yeah. um, we got we became friends. And and it, by coincidence, I was coming to LA the next week because I was coming to see the psychedelic, meet Richard the psychedelic first. And so Michael invited me to the Greek theater, the show at the Greek. And I always remember, and it's quite it makes me sad now when I think about it. Um, the uh, as I, I was late for the show, and I was walking up the street, and I could hear I could hear "Don't Change" coming um, out of the. Um, from the um, audio speakers, the, yeah, uh, uh, the audio yeah. speakers and things. Yeah, well, I just could hear it, and, and I just want, it was a beautiful melody there, and, and and sort of a bittersweet melody. Yeah, stuck in my mind, and and um, and that was my the second time I saw them, um, and I, and I just remember when I went to the show, I thought, my God, it's completely different from a show in New York, and I loved that. But Michael was never choreographed. No, it just instinct and gut gut from him and 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 so i went to you know a lot of bands would do say the same thing at the same time and do yeah. this and do that but yes they were completely unpredictable so i love that about them and then michael kind of said to me well you do you want to you should, you should come down to australia obviously it'd be good because i want you to 
hang out the van and come into the studio. So somehow I got a ticket to, to Sydney and I kind of got off the plane and I went to Michael's when he was living in Kirribilli. He said, oh, come and stay with me. So I went to stay with him in Kirribilli. And um, the next day he said, you, you should come to the studio and um, meet the band. So I remember we went from Kirribilli down to the ferry and Michael was on a skateboard. He was on that one that's on the kit cover. <laughs> and and I just thought that was, you know, it was very early for for skate skating. And he was he would go down the road on his skateboard and then he'd wait for me to get down the road and because I wasn't on a skateboard. And he had his hair and that leather jacket. And we got on the ferry. And what was great, I, I, what struck me about it, he wasn't he was a, he was kind of oblivious of himself because everyone mm. was staring. And I knew they knew this was Michael Hutchins, but he wasn't part of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He was just. Like, and I remember we went to run off the studio. When I got there, I realized Michael hadn't mentioned it to anybody that I was coming. So nobody knew who the fuck I was. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was going, oh God. And, and, and I just went, because I bought the ticket to get down there. And I thought, hey, Michael hasn't told anyone. So I felt stupid, really, at this point. <laughs> but I give credit to the band. They just, they took me in straight away. They took me straight away and they made me feel really at home. And, and, um, and anything like we you know, hang out with them, we go drinking, and I sat in the studio, and I, and I got to be part of, and this doesn't happen anymore, but it used to back then. I was very lucky because I was the person that would be invited into the studio. Wasn't it nearly every band I worked with? At some point, they come to the studio, listen to the record, and get some ideas there. And I go to the studio, and I'd be that first link to the public. Because you, normally you'd have the graphics were becoming ahead of any of the music. So the first thing people would see was what you did graphically. That, that was, and you had to, so you had to get their attention. Mm. And I remember going down there, I just thought, you know what? I remember, I remember Men at Work had that song um, out down, whatever it's called, I hate that song. Down Under, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I said to Michael, you can't be like that. Because people are already beginning to call you Aussie rockers and Aussie this and Aussie that. And I said, mm. I don't want you, I want you to be an international band. I want you to be an international band. And like, nobody, like, you look at you and you go, they could be from anywhere, London, Los Angeles, New York, Sydney, doesn't matter. But what I didn't want them to be was an Aussie band. Not that I had anything against it. It's just men at work destroyed it with all the kangaroos and all that. It was, you know. And, it, was a bit, and, it was a bit kitsch, wasn't it, you know? Kitsch. And I... And I, and I Start to see the way people were looking at overseas and going, you know, not taking it. You know, Midnight Oil, obviously, there were some great bands coming at the time, but I was just an Australian trip. It won't last long. So I, I made it very clear that this couldn't be that way and it couldn't have any, you know, and, I, and Michael loved these Australian roots and, and, I, and I loved that they were an Australian band, but I didn't want that to be the first thing people thought of. But I had a problem with it because I knew you got five guys in the band and you've got an obvious star there, right? And Michael was so humble. He never saw himself in that way. And he was always very diplomatic with the rest of the band. And I knew I couldn't have him on the cover because I, I wouldn't even, whatever, because he's one part of a band. But I also knew how important his face and his look was to mm. people in particular. I knew that that hair was, you know, because I, I would be with him and I'd go, He's a star. This guy's a star. He's a star, and he was in Australia, but he wasn't. He wasn't as big a star anywhere else. And I thought he's got so much charisma. I've got to figure a way to to to, to have him on the cover, but not have him on the cover. If you see what I mean. And and at at the time, 
fashion was moving into that very um, white site, white background, you know, very uh, uh, clean, simple, which is the opposite of what they've been doing up until that point. You know, I think this night, Thieves cover was, was not a great cover album, but that's just my opinion on it. Um, and I thought, it's got to have glamour, but it's also got to be rock and roll. It's got to be rock and roll. And that's when I got to know the personalities of the, of the band and who they were. Now, if you ask me who my favourite band member was outside of Michael, that's to be Tim. Yeah, I loved Tim and John. Hmm. Uh, and it was great but difficult. Gary, I didn't really hardly ever speak to him. And Kurt was, Kurt, yeah, was, was okay. Again, when I was in the studio with them, getting to stand, stand in the same place at the same time for more than a second. Yeah. Two of them, two of them will walk up and then they'll get bored because they'll, they'll walk away and then two more will come up and then they'll... <laughs> and then try to take five people in a group shot and, and everyone looking great is next to impossible. So I wanted to do it as a as a montage, but I wanted it to look like it was like they're all in the same room and keep it very sharp and, and, and clean and, and um, almost not too fashion, some rock and roll in it. Um, can, I and, just, can I just interject and say the... Yeah depth perception and almost a 3D, 4D type of spacing was really um, fantastic the way you did that um, because patients with size, aren't they? Especially, you know, with record covers and moving to CD and things. Yeah. Well, that was great because that was in the days of whenever I could get it and, you know, help because I had a, a name, I'd go for a gatefold cover, you know, full inner sleeves. You know, I grew up on album covers. I grew up looking at, looking at the... Um, the credits and who played what and when and all that stuff was important to me and but i also want it to be a lot of album covers were just the front and everything else kind of seemed to sort of like be thrown together after that so i want it to be the whole rap, the whole package and and trying to get those guys in the back and being political because i also had to be political about it, to be very careful about mm. well andrew was going to be on the back and he's the main collaborator so that was going to be tricky so i made it seem like look kirk's cut in half Michael's cut in half. Johnny's crouching down. You've got full. You've got full. You know. You, I had to. I had to put it in those terms because they were becoming famous, and you know, really because of Michael. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. together as a group, they were fantastic. It's no denying, and they can. You know, without them, Michael wouldn't have been anything. But Michael was the star, unquestionably. Mm. But I got the, the sort of the paranoia that they'd just be getting big, and the paranoia about it all the focus going on the singer yeah, and the rest of the band. And I didn't want that to happen because I liked the band and I thought they, uh, um, but I also realized that the, 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 really the best weapon, the best thing they had was Michael to sell this record. Hmm. Um, and so, and so I had to be clever with it. And, and of course, you know, when I, when I came up with the idea and I delivered it to, to MMA, because because Chris Murphy, and they've got an unusual, they had an unusual deal in excess. They, they pay for everything. The videos, they, they, the management and the band pay for everything themselves. And they got the money back later from the record label. So that's why they could do whatever they want and whatever videos they wanted to do. So Chris Murphy hated it. He hated it. And, and he hated it. And, and he went to, he was kind of, you know, because have you ever met Chris Murphy? No, but I feel like I know him very well from all the, uh, the, the research I've done. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a lovable rogue, and, yeah. he, and he, he was really responsible for making, making him. He works really hard, but, he, but I think he saw that this was going to divide the band in some way. Mm. Um, 
He was yeah, very protective that, on the uh, the band unit being a uh, a package as a collective. Yeah. You know, it's a tough thing being a, being a designer and trying to get the whole band on the cover and it looking good. And, and, and so that's why I said the gatefold. The gatefold because they can fold it out and there's a band. That's just a band up there. And I wanted to mess around the, the, with the perspective a little bit, so it didn't. It wasn't completely inaccurate perspective. So, so I like playing around with ideas like that. So it looks so people look at it and go, "This doesn't quite look right. That, that, that perspective is wrong." Because Kirk is really low down. Yeah, it was just messing with people with that with that sort of imagery. Um, and I was, you know, I want them all to wear black and black and white and be very monochromatic. And um, and Chris Murphy didn't like it, and it was very awkward at that point because I said to Michael I said Michael you got you have to back me up on this because I gave him a co-credit on that as, as a conceptualist on the cover Michael because I knew that I would need him at some point yes and Michael you know Michael never really wanted to get into later on I think towards the end he got in more com- confrontational with other band members but until then he said it was like a marriage he kind of almost had to like compromise a lot and and mm. so and so because he was a singer, there was a, there was an obvious resentment, but, you know, he's getting all the attention, but that's what happens to singers. They get all the attention. Look at any front man. Well, just, just a quick one, uh, Nick, is that in Australia, as you probably know, we're, we're a pretty laconic sort of relaxed nation and, and we, we have a, a thing called the tall poppy syndrome that if yeah. you get ahead of yourself, you know, yeah, you get yeah, knocked yeah. down. So it is sort of culturally yeah. in our DNA not to, Michael, we don't have a star system here, you know? No, Michael, and Michael, my, you know what, Michael trusted me, but he kind of knew, he knew if he was going to go down that route, it was going to be, it was going to be back, it was sort of backlash against him. He knew that. And he talked, talked about the Saul Popper syndrome and, mm. and, 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 and said, but you know what, he, he was ready for the world. He, he was ready for the world. I don't know if the band were quite as ready for the world, but Michael was ready to get out of Sydney mm. to like, to, to you know, but the band wanted to stay in Sydney. They didn't want to move away. And they weren't like you 2 where they were going to go to Berlin and record a record. They, they were very, like, family and kind of... And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And I know together they were, they were this force. But um, but Michael was the one that was not anxious, but but I think, kind of think he knew what was going to be coming if this was going to go the way it did, which is why he went to such an extreme when he went to Max Q. But... Um, and so, but I told him, I said, listen, I, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be brilliant. I think it's going to, I think it's, I think it's going to really sell you because it, before the video, and Richard Lonesen, as you know, ripped, ripped the idea off for the video anyway. Yeah, and, and I think that he got it more than the band. And the band, you know, what, what I did love about the band was they never didn't know me from anyone. I mean, I met them in Madison Square Garden briefly and I, and I became friendly with Michael. We went out and we became mates. Um, but the band treated me with, with respect and, and trust, and you know, and I've got, to, and I have to really say that, and hand on my heart, that they were really took me like one of them, and and they trusted me, and and they trusted me with the way I, I pitched it to them about we've got to, I'm trying to sell the band as um as as an entity, but I've got to do it as individuals and collected together, so everyone looks good. And I've got to make it very clear and sharp who everyone is because it hasn't been clear to me up until this point. No. And I said, in order for you to be successful, people have got to know, well, that's the drama, that's the singer. And, and they may have done it in Australia because people grew up with them, but they, didn't really, they weren't really getting that in. And England was, up, was the last place that they, cra- they cracked in. And, and, and I think, honest to God, 
them making it in England was bigger to them than making it in America. Well, it was a slower, burn, a slower burn there, and and they they really suffered from the old, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, convict, the, yeah. uh, you know, melody making. They <laughs> made it really hard for them. No, no, and also, and also, the fact that we've got a big, you know, Aussie population all living in Earl's Court and it backpack, you know, it was, a, it was a sort of, a, you know, the joke, yeah, you know, Aussies driving with their backpacks <laughs> um, and so that's what, and we, we're a bit like that, the English, we're very insular and we see everyone else and we look down our noses at everyone else a, a little bit and we're, we're like, in, in excess we're like, oh, one of those Australian kind of, you know, Neanderthal yeah. band yeah. with mother. So that was the perception of them. Yeah. And, and, and I, being English, Really thought, I, and I felt that they 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 would they could connect to to England if they were genuinely honest and they were rock and roll and stuck to it. Didn't try and be try and pretend to be anything else. Yeah. But what I say was basically the band really weren't well versed in anything to do with the creative side of it. Yeah, Richard Lowenstein used to make videos up as he went along. There was never treatment. It was never. It was all kind of done very sort of lackadaisical, like you said, and that and that's. That's a good thing because it was, you know, when I was in Sydney, it was like, you know, the guys from, the guys from um, Crowded House would say, Michael, when you come in and sing on this track? And it was very open. Everyone knew what everyone was doing. And I, and I love that. Whereas in England, everybody's hiding everything. It's all yeah. secret. Yeah. It's really, it's the opposite. And, and Michael is, is, he's got that swagger to him. And, and I, and I, and then I and, and I never, you know, I didn't say that to, to, to the to the band. I had to be very careful. That I said it, you know, that, that Michael is this thing. He's the front man, and you've got to accept that, yeah, that's what he is. You can't mm. pretend he's. You can't put him in the back, for example. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember someone said one of the best said to me. I think it was John. You're very persuasive, Nick. You know, very persuasive. <laughs> uh, so, but if you look at it, it's half. So the half on the front can argue against the half on the back. You know, so. Um, well, I think that I think the half shot of Michael's sort of face uh, is quite intriguing for the uh, for the viewer. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and, and that was per- that was done on purpose. I didn't realize I cropped his face as much as I did. Actually, I'm looking at this up on my wall there now. <laughs> anyway, but there's something about the eye, and you know, you're, you're right. It's got if you're a girl looking at it, you go, "Well, he looks cool," but you can't really see what the whole picture is. But you can on all the other band members. See, that's the that's the point yeah. I made. Yeah, you can see them perfectly. Um, anyway, to get back to the Chris Murphy, he didn't like it. Can I just say something about that? Hello. It makes it hello, hello. hello. It makes it a very interactive album cover as well, having half of Michael's face because a lot of people are doing the half of their face with half of Michael's. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, Have you not seen that? There's lots going. Yeah. yeah, in the NXS um, community, there's um, a lot of people putting photos of that up. No, I never, I never knew that. That's, that, was a, that was a good segue in, just coming yeah. in like that. Um, <laughs> Come over here. They're genuine guys. They were the, you know, any division that went on between them was nothing to do with them. But, but when, you, when you divide and conquer, like Murphy was good at, like you take Tim here and you say this and this and this to Tim, and then you take Andrew over there and you say, that you build up this, yeah. this kind of like... Well, maybe he's right about it. So that's, that's where it well, came from. Well, it's an interesting, um, sorry, Nick, if I could cut in for a moment. It's an interesting thing uh, in the last, obviously, couple of weeks with Eddie Van Halen die, uh, dying and passing mm-hmm. away. Um, it was interesting, like Sammy Hager um, had, uh, <laughs> and David Lee Roth probably had some real long standing issues with Eddie and different things. But 
and, and probably more so even Sammy. Um, and it's always just been interesting, that dynamic in bands, and it's been something that when you, you know, as a music fan, you listen to everyone's point of view. I, I think, you know, uh, Sammy had reached out to Eddie in the last 12 months and they were texting and there was a good rapport. And I think it worked it out that everything was fine until another manager came in and pulled, pulled Eddie aside and said, oh, this is what Sammy's thinking and doing. And they do do... Yeah, yeah, is that, that's exactly it, and and I, and I think that um, yeah, because when I went backstage, he said that. Him, she said that. No, I never said that. You know, oh, you know. That's what he was like. And he, I mean, Martha, yeah. Martha. See, I got all this. I got a lot of this from Martha because Martha was dealing with a band in New York, and yeah, and she would be fuming about some of the stuff Murphy was saying, and and saying to the label, and you know, and even like I said earlier, it's Hayden that he he came back and told the band that the label didn't like the album cover, and but he lied about that, and and. And, you know, I was at this point where I was suddenly going, fuck it, I've come all the way down there for nothing. Um, but then the vibe, you know, the band, the band was like, they loved it. After all, I, I explained all the reasons for why it was like that and why Michael was on the cover, because that's what you have to do. You have to be honest with them and tell them this is the way it, it's going to work. It's going to be, it's going to benefit everybody if we do it this way. It's not favoring, it's not favoring Michael. He's on the front, he's bigger, but he's, he's yeah, you know, the guys you see all of them on there. So you have to sort of be clever and diplomatic with, with the way you put it to bands. And I was in a band when I was younger, so I so I get the dynamic in the band. I get what the, yeah. why the drummer always feels left out. So so you kind of have to you've got to have a certain kind of sort of psychological approach towards doing these things. And I knew how to do that because I've worked with a lot of bands. So so um, but I felt the, I felt something was a, was when Chris Murphy said he didn't like it. And then Michael would say to me, well, Tim's acting weird about saying that, that we have to do this in, you know, Andrew and Tim have to do this interview and, and Michael couldn't do it. And, and it kind of, that was all coming from, Chris, coming from Chris Murphy saying, Michael's got too much exposure, he's tired, you know, that kind of stuff, which, 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 I, which I kind of resented, you know, because it was, it was at the beginning of a new chapter in their lives and their lives were going to be better for it. Um, Anyways, but but to cut a long story short, when it, when their cover did become successful and people loved the cover, and it went, you know, it was up on Sunset Boulevard, big big blow up of it, and and I got the satisfaction of being right about it because I had an instinct, and yeah, you know, in that particular case, I absolutely knew what was right for that cover, and that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, I, well, I didn't, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I think you know, in doing a bit of research about you you've got this situation where you can have a bunch of sycophants say, oh, that's great, that's great, that's great, and just be agreeable and, 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 and might not be a good idea, but then you can have something like this where instinctively through your creative juices and flow, you, you had an idea and a vision and you spent a year in Australia and you go, okay, this is what I think well, is going to take them because a couple of little anecdotes, the stars on there was a great thing on the album cover because it really gave them a connection with the USA, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think the other right. thing too, as you alluded to earlier, obviously Richard came in and was really inspired by your album cover with the Need You Tonight single because it was almost like an advertorial for the album. Yeah. I think yeah. the first yeah. to the album so beautifully like I've never seen any other band do before. It, and that's a credit to you. Well, and the, and the video was brilliant. I, I just I always had a problem with Richard because they picked up seven MTV Awards, swept the MTV Awards, and not once did I get credit for for the you know for the for the album cover. And yeah. sometimes. It's that that bugs you more than anything else. It was a simple thing to do because he didn't have an idea. 
And at the time, I was actually doing a video with Mick Jagger at the time. I was watching it on TV because they wanted me to come to the show. Anyway, that's, a, that's another story um, altogether. And Hang I, on a quick well, one. Mick, I, Mick, with, with Mick, Mick would saw that video with you because he was, he was quite enamoured with Mike with the What You Need video. Uh, did you see the Need Tonight video with him? I went, out, I, went, I, went out, I went out with him. When I went, was in Sydney when Mick played at the Horden Pavilion. Yeah. Was it Horden Pavilion? Yeah. And me and Michael went and saw, we went out and had a drink with him after the Seabull Townhouse. Yeah. But, yep. um, and they were very similar. You know, you got two, two, two kind of similar kind of people. Um, but yeah, I think at that particular point, especially as Mick was doing a solo record, I don't remember sitting down. No, I was watching MC. I was at, up at this, um, George Lucas's scope. Mick Jagger was rehearsing <laughs> up there, so I was up there yeah. watching it. And and, um, and I just felt, you know, and I felt this is the, the only reason I'm saying that because I'm not, I'm not. It wasn't so great. So it was more to the fact that suddenly is everyone celebrating this success, mm. and the video is based off of an album cover that Chris Murphy didn't like, <laughs> and I and I was like, and anyway, that cuts me to. Did he ever thank you? Pardon? Did he ever thank you? Well, this is, he did this. We were at the, um, at the uh, what's the name of the hotel? The Mondrian Hotel. And they were having a, a quadruple tr platinum presentation at, at the, um, there. And they, and they were all getting records. And Michael suddenly looks and he goes to Chris Murphy, where's Nick's? And Chris Murphy, huh, he, 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 he gave me his one with his name on it. And I'm like, I didn't care about that. But that was his kind of big gesture in front of Michael, and I gave it to a fan in the end because I, I, you know, I didn't want his fucking name Aww. on it. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, um, that was the way, that was his thanks, you know. I mean, it's funny because when I, 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 I did confront him and I said, you know what, you, do you remember you didn't like the company? Because I never, you know, he denied that he said that because you know <laughs> it was successful and anything. And and um, but yeah, so so I had the support of the band. The band were great. The band loved it. They they they. They were very vocal in that. I didn't even give them an option on it. I might have moved things around a little bit because when you get, when you think you're right about something, you've got it's almost like a divine thing. You know you're right. Nothing can prevent you from doing it. But you do need allies, and you, and because I think I've been right about things before, and nobody else has liked it, and I'm the only um, one that's liked it. So. Can I be put in? Because I've only got five minutes left of my lunch break. Unfortunately. Where you where you working? Well, I was from Murphy's Joint, uh, Nick. I am. What? I'm just down the road from uh, Ballina. Right. Near Byron yeah. Bay, where Murphy is. And, oh, and John. Right. Oh, you're going to see him. I mean, yeah. Can I ask a t question or two about the album cover? Only because I'm, uh, well, my, my husband is a brander and um, I right. love design myself. Um, oh, good. I found yeah, thank you. Um, I find it quite iconic that you use the white background, which is like nowadays I, I, I look at Apple and like Gap for using things like that as well. Um, right. What was your inspiration for using the white background? Uh, fashion. It was like, you know, because I've been involved with fashion and I was involved with Vivian Westwood and Mark Jacobs and, 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 I, and I, Steve Mizell and all these it, it, Italian Vogue were doing a lot of shots on white side, white backgrounds mm. and, 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 and at that moment and you know fashions are always about a year ahead of everything else yes and so i there were two reasons it was that because it was very stylish and that's what people in the northern hemisphere were getting to see much more than in the southern hemisphere all those magazines like the face and the id but also i wanted it to, to be because i said earlier to hayden 
I didn't know, I didn't get into an excess until this and like these, but I, because of what you need. And I, I didn't know who was who. I couldn't tell who was who because it was so vague, their image. You know, in Australia, everyone knew it. But no, in other parts of the world, they didn't know it. And, and so I was like, I thought John was Michael. And I, was, and I thought, they're all such great personalities. You've got, to, you've got to be really direct about it. This is the band. This is what they look like. No mistake. You know? So that was the other reason. That I went, and then, it, you know what? They look good. I couldn't convince Tim to cut his mullet off. He's, as you notice, he's still got it up there. But now <laughs> I look at it and I go, it's great. It's, the, it's that kind of, you know, it, they, they look, I didn't want it to be in an Australian, like an Australian band, but there's something really brilliantly Aussie about that cover. Yeah, you know, and the skateboard the, the, as well was a great move as well. Yeah, with the, with the psycho stick. And that was really, my, that was Michael's real skateboard. But, um, Interesting now, I look at it and I think, why didn't I do five stars? I, I, I did four stars, five, <laughs> yeah. six stars, I mean, six stars. Um, and that, you know what, that, that merchandise did really, really well. So, I, you know, like I said, I got the justification from, I was right, I, 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 didn't, I didn't gloat over it, but I, I was right. And obviously they came back to me to do the second and the third covers, but, but, um, but I was, yeah, I, I, like I said, and I've said it many times, I, I, I felt like I, I knew what it needed and I was right. And, I, and it did, along with the video, make them an international band. Now, my thing was, they were saying, Hayden, being in the studio with the band, you are now this conduit that's got to like, because the first thing anyone's going to see or hear about the band is a graphic, not a song. It will be the new NXS album or whatever it is. So that is a really important thing to walk out the studio and go, because it's failed in the past, you know, I've gone in, in the studio with a band and, and I've come out of it and it's not me, not necessarily me, but the, the vibe has been wrong. But with them, I came to the studio and I thought, it needs to have a little bit of mystery. It needs to be very kind of uh, graphic, really graphic, because nothing they'd done up until that point was graphic. It was yeah. a little, well, I say twee, a little twee, a little kind mm. of the matchstick men. And the, and, and, and they're, a, they're a fucking rock and roll band. They're a fucking band that you bring it on stage so so I wanted that to be no mistake I didn't want it to be Midnight Oil uh, not Midnight Oil I mean Men at, um, men at Work yeah. I couldn't stand that group and, and, <laughs> I, and I think that they were damaging the Australian scene with their kangaroos and their koala bears and so and, and, and that, Nick it was the same year that Crocodile Dun Dundee came out which is yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. iconic in its nature but a, but a little bit of a cultural cringe for the you know well, the, the greater understanding Michael, Michael had the chance to to to, um, to uh, uh, invest in that film, and he, and he never did. <laughs> he never did. But no, it was great. Yeah, that was great. It's still one of the best lines in the film. That's not a knife. This is a fucking <laughs> knife. So um, and 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 I, and I you know I went down to Australia like any English person with a little bit of a skeptic about the you know the Australians because all we saw were the ones in in Earl's Court in London, and I loved the country, and I love and I got down. And I love the country. I love the people. I love the vibe. I like. I love the friendliness. It, it, you know, it, there was hostility down there as well because the cross on a, on a weekend and and the western suburbs. My mother, the friendly in the western suburbs, and that was like going into a sort of weird time zone there. Mm. But um, and then the difference between Sydney and Melbourne. You know, two, two completely different places. I was considering myself a Sydney person because I lived there, and Melbourne was too much like London for me. It's a bit too wet and grey when I was down there. But um, <laughs> but um. And, and yeah, but Michael was enamoured by the whole Melbourne Nick Cave, you know, that's why I worked with Ollie, mm -hmm. Ollie Olsen on the Max Q record. Yeah. But, um, but what I did get from that trip was I got, a, 
I've got a really special relationship. And the only other band I've ever had such a special relationship with Duran Duran, a little bit with Oasis, but with certainly with Excess, like, yeah, when I went to South Africa, we were on the plane together. It was, I felt, yeah, like I say, I felt part of what was going on. It was one of those things where it, they, they were very inclusive. I even remember at Wembley, I walked, I walked with them up to the stage, and I remember walking up onto the stage with Michael because I want to study this, and, and it was like when Superman goes into the phone box. He, I saw this is my friend, he's standing right there, and I see this transformation of he's in this zone. He's like doing this thing. It's almost like he's got the Superman cape, cape when he comes out of there and he walks on the screen. And, you know, it gives me, it gave me a chill when he walked out of Wembley. I mean, real chill to see him walk out there and every, and I said to Hayden earlier as well, them breaking it in England, I think meant more to them than breaking it in the States because England was always the obstacle for them. And, and yeah. they were never really taken seriously there. And when they, when they walked out in front of 90,000 people at Wembley, I was like, yes, that's great. Yeah. You know? now, B, now my partner <laughs> B on this call, um, Nick is from Birmingham originally and discovered yeah. them on the Listen Like Thieves album. <laughs> yeah, we've got What's something. That? We've got something in common there, Nick. What's that? What's that? I'm from Birmingham. I just yeah. missed knowing John and uh, Nick. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, I used to, uh, the Rum Runner had just been pulled down when I found out about it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And, uh, I, I did. I did. I, my first group I worked with was Texas Midnight Runners, so I spent oh, a lot yeah. of time up with. And I can still now I can now I can hear a little bit of the Brummy accent coming across. You can hear my Brummy accent now. Yeah, a little bit. Now yeah, you slipped into it. I just yeah. saw John today. It's funny because John. John they don't have any the slightest hint of a, of a Birmingham accent, but um, very proud, you know, their Birmingham football teams up there. They are. What I was going to throw just at you a couple of things, and um, uh, "Live Baby Live," the live album at Wembley, uh, mm-hmm. the shot of Michael, and the sort of the almost looks a bit oh, like yeah. Rio de Janeiro pose. Yeah, yeah exactly and, that. Tell us a bit about. Well, that, that. was a tough one. That was a tough one for me because Michael goes, you're on your own on this one. Because <laughs> I had Michael on the front again. Um, again, I said that the way I put it to them, the band, is this or is this not a great photo? Forget it, forget who it is. Yeah. And I did that with Motley Crue as well. I said to Motley Crue, look, look at the video. If it's a great video, it doesn't matter whether Tommy's in it two cuts more. It's a great video. And everyone's going to think about it. I said, it's almost like the Clash London calling cover. It, it's like yeah. he's in the or he, it, it was it was like Jesus, and that that show was like that. So yeah. that was a little bit. But Michael did say, "I can't, I can't back you up on this one." Um, you know, again, I mean, so you don't see Michael's face; it's the back of him. It's a rock and roll. It's, and it is a, Andrew Southam did that picture, and I think he did such a great job on that whole thing, and he captured the the essence of that show at Wembley, and and um, and I, and I, and I think that. Because I was at that show, and it was—it it goes down in one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. I mean, yeah. everything was right on. It was yeah. like perfect. It was like from the beginning to the end to the after show. It was just—it just was a memorable night. And and um, and the and production values that, of the filming were were a yeah, one. I think yeah. two uh, for Zuropa, uh sorry, Zoo TV used that same crew in Sydney, mm-hmm. their uh, Sydney Zoo TV tour. They used the same uh, group. I think David uh, ah. uh, Mallet and uh, co. Yeah, David Mallet, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what he got? He, he got, I thought he got, I, you know, usually live shows don't come across that, that well, but there's something about Michael's performance that night, which was, which was 
I just, it was magic. I mean, and it's funny because, I, like I said, I, I walked up the, ste- up the steps and I was right behind him and I walked a little bit behind him as he went onto the stage and, and, and it was like, oh my God, I was overwhelmed with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the, that's why, that's why people do drugs. It's like, how do you fucking come down off of that? It's like, mm. you're just out there and then you've got to go back to this reality and, and it was, and particularly me being English and seeing it and seeing, you know, knowing the sort of snark, snarky remarks and the, and the, and the patch, to see them just eating out their hands was, I thought was just, to, to me was, was, was like a perfect thing and, and, and loving the guys the way I did and, and, and knowing what great guys are. And, and, you know, I just want to make it clear that I, you know, I didn't ever try and suggest that the band were, plotting against Michael. They're, they're, they're too cool for that. They're too, too nice of people. They're very naive and innocent in, in a lot of ways. Hmm. And they thought they could probably handle it themselves and, and, and you know get someone in that could do it and would do it under their instruction because um, because Michael, you know, Michael was drifting away from the way he didn't like the way the, the last record um, was arranged and produced. You know, there's a lot of things that started to chip away. And when you've been with big people for such a long time but you know i don't want to ever think people to think that i think the band in any way were like, Look, I think, like yeah, shit. I, I think you know one of the comparisons is acdc unfortunately when bond passed oh, yeah. away he passed they, away they, they had that uh, well. he passed away at uh six months after they just had a hit in america and they were really 25 percent of the way through their career globally mm. um yeah. so uh and i think tim actually uh after about eight eight years, when they decided to go and do this rock star in excess, asked Angus because they're both from Sydney and said, "Oh, Angus, how long did it take you to get over Bondying and get you know bond, uh, bond passing and getting into the rocks uh, back into the studio?" And Angus said, "Oh, yeah, probably about uh, eight days. Uh, we, <laughs> me and Malcolm went back in, and eight weeks later, we had an album. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, you know back what? in black." Yeah, because- because they were really smart about the way. Apparently, they spoke to they spoke to Bon Scott's mother first of all. They talked to him, uh, yeah. and they asked her what she thought. They didn't want to disrespect, and they got the perfect replacement. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was all, because they're nothing like each other. I no. mean, Bon Scott was a biggish guy, and I mean, um, 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 what's his big Mal? Is it Vic Malcolm, right? Is it Singer? No, um, uh, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, yeah, yeah. yeah. His big guy, Geordie from North. And and um, they're from Newcastle as well, aren't they? ACDC, they're from Newcastle. But um, it, it just, I just think that, and you know what? And it was a fucking brilliant record. The yeah. one they came out with after, and and, and I think they did, they handled it really, really well. And it just just didn't handle it very well. I I think to go out on a reality TV show like that made a mockery of who Michael was, because Michael was in that band since he was a kid, and and and. You know, and he wrote poetry, and it was it was it was well, a think, beautiful story. Yeah, I think I think my understanding of the timelines. I don't think Murphy was involved in that at all. Murphy got back no, involved about two thousand and nine. He had Murphy got out in ninety five uh, yeah. and got back involved about two thousand nine, two thousand eight, maybe. No, um, so that wasn't. I, think, I don't think Murphy would have recommended it. I think I think Martha had more saying that Martha and and. Um, a couple of people. No, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. The band, I guess, might have needed money. They need to. I, who knows? I, you know, it's just one of those things that I just think it's. Um, it kind of ruined. It kind of killed them a little bit. 
Well, look, it was, the, the, real, the, 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 the irony was it, it gave them a marketing pushback in America and the album did quite well and the songs, a couple of songs did quite well. But what I thought they should have possibly done, and it probably leads me a little bit into the Max Q stuff, is Andrew, Andrew's such a talented sort of melody, you know, tunesmith. Yeah. I think they should yeah, have gone yeah. down the Groove Amada track and got in different singers for different types of tracks, yeah. but been more well, anonymous did, behind way, the they, scenes. They did, they did it with John Stevens, and they did the Sanford, and they did some of the Terrence and They were going down that way. I think Queen did that a little bit as well, didn't they? But, but you know, like a band like Groove Amada, you know, you've got songs yeah. where you've got, you know, uh, uh, an inner street urban feel. You've got female guest yeah. vocals. Like, the band's anonymous. It's almost like the guest singer comes in on different tracks. Yeah. Like, you hear a song like Super That's Spy a tricky Angel. one. That's a tricky one because... Groove Mother are not like a, they're not like a rock and roll, they're not like a fucking balls to the wall playing fucking dingy clubs rock and roll band. And that's the, and that's what NXS were. And it yeah. kind of, um, and you can't, and then you've got a singer that's so fucking charismatic. It, but I get what you, they, they could have gone completely different direction. I think, I think Andrew was lost a little bit with that, Michael, as well. Well, I um, think the, the other, the other alibi, if I can give them one, is that there's no, there's no checklist of how to respond to, you know, your singer no. departing. And I think the way the band was promoted ultimately, or the way it ended up, mm. is they didn't have the second rock star in the band. Like, you know, Mick has Keith, mm. Bono has the Edge. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have the yeah, second, Andrew, you, have, you have the second superstar. ACDC had Angus. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. So, so they had and the extra Jim person they could market themselves around. No, exactly. And Andrew just didn't, it was, uh, found that whole distaste. Was, Tim was a little bit self-conscious with it. Um, he was great with Michael. He was with Michael. And they did make a good duo, the two of them. But, but I think it's a tough one to, to, to answer, Hayden, because I, I went to see the show, like I said, I went to see the show with J.D. Fortune or whatever it was. And the, yeah, the first song they did was Suicide Blonde, which I thought was like, well, that wasn't a good start from my point of view. I was with Leanne, and I thought they should have dumped the song forever, uh, given just the the, the actual uh, uh, lyrics. And they asked me what I thought of the show, and Kirk did, and I said I didn't watch it all. I said I couldn't. I said I couldn't. I just couldn't watch it. And and he goes, "Oh, you got you got to have an open mind about it." I said, "I'm not there yet, Kirk. Yeah. I'm just not there." Yeah. But what upset me about Kirk? This is what, and this is what I, this is what upset me about the band. I know I got I got a lot of shit from the fans because because. I was outspoken about stuff and, and I know what fans are like. Fans are very, and I deal with fans, Durant around fans and excess fans a lot. And, and sometimes they can drive you crazy because, because, you know, they're inappropriate and they, they're, they're like, they'll tag you and stuff. You're not tagged in and, no. and it's really, and, and, but you know, I'm always very respectful to the fans and, and, but they, I started to hear that they, because of, because of Tina and because of, um, because of the band, never Rhett though. Me and Rhett get on like a house on fire. We're like brothers, the two yep. of us. And Rhett's like, but but outside of this, because I had this opinion, I put down what they said, and I said, you know, I wasn't into it. But Kirk did say something like, that I found very hurtful at the time. He said, Oh, Nicky, and he was just Michael's drug buddy. Now, forgetting I've done three album covers, two videos, all those single covers, like I was just Michael's drug buddy. The problem was. None of those, those guys would always go off. Michael's a rock star, he wouldn't go out. I like going out. It's like, we go out, we go out to Matos. The band won't like that. Michael wanted to experience his fame and go out and do stuff. I don't blame him. Hmm. And, and, and the band wanted to go home and go back to their wives, which is, which is fine, but don't bitch about it and say, how come Michael gets all the attention when Michael's the one that's actually going out there and, and keeping the band going? It is a, it is a very, very strange 
relationship to um, understand these guys. Look at the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's just like, it's like a love-hate thing that goes on for for the rest of time, really. But I and think someone like a, a Charlie Watts was really happy to do his gig and go home and have a cup of tea. Yeah. And and and, and Mick and probably Keith love the limelight. And if you accept yeah. each other's differences... Um, yeah, they didn't always do that. Yeah. And uh, they didn't always do that. I mean, there was a dynamic between Andrew and Michael, definitely. And, and, and I think that um, Andrew was so funny because he, because he would always shake his head and go, like, he was never... He never seemed content or happy about doing it. Tim was just having a laugh. John, John, you know, and I, I flew to Australia with them, and 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 like I say, they were a great bunch of guys, and they're great. I I think that Chris Murphy put a wedge in there that that they were they were they was they were gun shy about when they did. So they did, they were so afraid of the criticism. So someone like me, as close to the bang as I was, it must have got to them because you know because they knew I was. In there, and I knew everything was going on, but they said so I had to put it down, and and I, and I was, and I talked to I talked to Kirk about that a little bit. I said, you know, you you, you really, he goes, no, I was misquoted. I said, well, then I, I was misquoted. But my, what I was going to say was, I felt that at some point I needed to reach out to the fans and 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 make things clear because yes, I'd done this. This is what happens: you do these interviews with all the best intentions in the world, and you want to talk about your friend Michael, and you go. Yeah, Michael did take drugs, but he also went through three months of sobriety. We worked in it. They never put that part in. No, there was sound bites and the early era yeah. of clickbait and that sort of that time, you know. And I, um, and, I, and I was and I was stupid to 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 have fallen for it. And and so I went on. Um, I looked at some of the I looked at some of the the fan play. Um, this is way this is back really before chat. The chat thing became really big. Hmm. And I and I, I can't remember what the name of the the, the um, fan page was. Well, and, I, and I said, listen to the girl that ran it. I'm, I'm, this is who I am. I said I'm prepared to go on and answer questions to the fans and and clear a lot of stuff up. And the one thing I had to say, I said, listen, everybody has their own version of who Michael is to them. That's mm. precious, but it's not always what he, it is. And and Michael was a flawed person. He wasn't perfect. And um. But he was a great person, he was a good person. But I'm glad I went backstage, and Chris Murphy was there with Sam Evans, and Chris Murphy was kind of, because he came back to him, didn't he? Managed him again later. Yeah. He got back involved with him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right toward, and he was there with Sam Evans, and he, I thought he was going to fall over and have a heart attack when he saw me. Sorry, who's Sam? Uh, just to clarify, who's Sam? Sam Evans worked at MMA. And became his enabler in a way, but it was it was Chris is clever because he didn't you know he wasn't really came up and he gave me a hug and he's like it's good to see you you know the sort of general stuff. But this is a, this is how Chris Murphy works his power. I went to um, they they wanted me to fly to Sydney to present the the, the album cover and the other the album cover to so fly to Sydney right and so I flew to Sydney. But Chris Murphy could, Chris Murphy didn't want to go to Sydney. He wanted me to fly to Sydney and fly to London and then fly back to Los Angeles. So I did the whole round the world just doing the Belinda Carlisle video. Which fucked me up so, so bad. He just did it because he could do it. And it was like, 
So I was running after, you know, running after, and that's what he, that's what he does. It's like as he in as you. in presenting the album to the record label in each. No, 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 no. Because he never did that. I mean, the thing about Enix is they have total creative autonomy from the label. Right, okay. they, they can no to present to the band to show right. the band and go through the ideas. And then Chris Murphy was meant to become to them, he decided not to. And then um, and Paul Craig was working with them then, and he said to me, I said, but I've got, I, can't, I don't know if I can because I've got to get back to LA and do. I went to London for one night, so I went from LA down to Sydney and was in Sydney for about three nights, flew by Bangkok, back to London, was in London for one night, two nights, and back to Los Angeles, just because we could do it. Um, yeah, so... So what year did that album come out? Was that the end of Chris Murphy? After we talk, Live Baby Live? Which album are we talking about? Kick? The live one, Live, live Baby Oh, live. 91. Yeah, around November 91. Yeah, you know, I, I sent something because he, he was actually going out of his way to pay me decent money. And, and not like I was, they paid me well, the band did. But I had longevity with them because I had a successful cover. And then, then you know, I, it was like the, the X cover as well, you know. And, and, um, and that, that logo was, because their logos, again, have been very wishy-washy. And this is a bold, eight, you know, listen, I took the idea from Run DMC. I mean, I looked at that and thought, that's a great logo. I think, but that was the premise of it. Mm. Um, and, and and simple and bold, and they were both, both had the same amount of letters. And they almost looked like they could be, if you're dyslexic, they almost looked like they could be the same. So, um, and I think, so, I think, and then, and then, I think sorry, Nick, I think that uh, red in the X was the thing that uh, has been absolutely duplicated in everything since as part oh, of that oh, branding. Oh, you mean, uh, yeah. In the, no, XL, really, in the X yeah. album, you've got the red X yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. From then onwards, from a brand or a branding point of view, that's stayed. Well, in X, in X, you know, I had some involvement in the naming of that record because they were talking about it and it was like, I'm like, when they said that, I said, that's got to be it. It's, everything's perfect. It's, it's Roman numerals for 10. It was a 10th year together. Mm. X, ecstasy was big at the time. It was a big thing. So, so it was perfect. But again, I think Chris Murphy argued over it. But I, I, I love that logo, the way that is in there. Um, I think, yeah, you know, it looks great in the T-shirt. So, so that was, um, yeah, and that was, that was, we did that, I, I took a photographer down to, um, to Australia, and we did that. And again, um, um, <laughs> Richard Lundstein shot the video from the photo shoot that we were shooting for Suicide Blonde. Because um, that video is very much like, coming at you like that uh, cover yeah. of the album is, you know, that sort of coming yeah. at you directly. Yeah, coming at you. And it was like a, it was like a superhero. It was like the superheroes. You know, they'd become famous in the superheroes. Um, and this is, you know, again, I just based my relationship with Michael. I tried to separate the two things from each other. I mean, you know, and I had a pattern, I, and I did the um, the the devil inside, the little devil on the skateboard. I yeah. That's it. I, that theme going, and and then um, um, uh, new sensation was my girlfriend at the time, so she was the one I put on the cover for that. Um, she was an actress, and and, um, and so I kind of kept it. I tried to keep it uniform because what happened? I used to find a record cut record album come out. He had the cover, and that was it. And there was nothing else that worked with it. It was all. I wanted everything to be like a plan and move along, and and um, and that's the way it came. With single with the forty fives after the first two, you want to kind of establish, it's okay, a, a recognition that must be. And then on the third one, you kind of want to do something completely different, which is why I think Devil Inside was was like the little devil tattoo, um, and you go off a little bit because you've got everyone encapsulated. 
But but what again? What I want to make clear was this whole thing about about how important your role is, or used to be, not so much anymore, because you are the first outsider. I know the friends in that, but the first outsider that's going to be part of the promotion. This thing comes into the studio and listens to what the band, because you know, it's part of his eavesdropping. They used to have a pinball up with, with the concert pinballs and stuck stuff up from newspapers, and you know, and it was. I observed all of that stuff and I made sort of mental notes of it and I got I got their personalities and I knew this would go and, and you collect those things and then you kind of you go, Okay, this is really important now because it's not the music. People are gonna be dying for music. You want the graphics to make people want to die for the music even more. So it has to hit you. And and I came out I, I it even surprised me how well it went. I mean I was I knew it was gonna do it, but I, I didn't know it was gonna be as big as it did in terms of, like you said, brand. So, and then I thought about, like I said, and, I, and you go, this is the visual of what the music is going to be like. This is, people are going to see this before they hear anything. So you've got to get them, and, and it did. And, and, and you've got to be consistent with it. And that's why I thought the problem with the Nexus had previously was inconsistent, you know. Well, with the, so, uh, yeah, I think a, a little useless anecdote, but uh, my, my girlfriend on my 40th birthday sent invitations out with the, um, with the X album cover and they'd, she'd superimposed my face onto Michael. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like a 40th birthday. You should send it to me. I'd love to see it. I'll put it up on my Facebook. Okay, I'll, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll try to go back and find it. But um, uh, I, I laughed when I saw it because it was like my birthday and she'd gone and sort of creatively put it on there. Um, I apologise, I didn't spot <laughs> you in the royalties. But um, what, one thing I was just curious about, if you don't mind me asking, was um, from a proprietary point of view and, and, and a financial point of view, I know in the music industry, obviously there was huge budgets in the 80s and 90s for videos and things and uh, producers and engineers and things. Um, from a, uh, uh, a, a branding and a creative point of view, uh, does a, a guy in your role, say, especially on the covering and the album, the concept mm. side, do you, do you get paid a fee for the job or do you get a, a points off an album? Or is it no, you never get points off. You never get points off an album. I mean, I was, a, I was a board member. I was a governor at the Grammys for two years and partly because, you know, I sat in the, I sat, I sat when, I, when I sat around these people, I said, there's not one single person sitting around the sofa. There was musicians that hasn't needed someone like me to project who they are. And, and, I, and my thing was, was, you know, I don't think you get a royalty, but but it's kind of like it is an important role to play because it can ruin a record. You can have it, you can do it, and it's completely ruin a record. I th- I, get, I got paid decent money. I think I got paid at the time ten thousand for just the cover. So back then was pretty good. Yeah. And then each individual thing I did after I got paid separately. I didn't do it for an all-in fee. Um, and it was yeah, it was. It, it, I got paid. Could I ask you a couple of quick music questions regarding the band? Is there a sort of an album, covers aside, is there an album, a song, like if you had to rate in excess's catalogue that speaks for oh, you, easy. what you need connected you, but does anything particular stands out for you? No, no, it's got to be, without question, one of the great songs ever is Nietzsche Tonight. I remember when I heard that song, it was like, it, I've never heard anything like it. And it's still, when you put it on today, the, 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 the sparseness of it, it just was a, just a masterpiece that record. Yeah, I mean that whole album was was great, but but that in particular was was like well, that uh, you know, 
as when they even talk about it, it makes me want to play it straight away. So um, yeah, that one. That's my top one. And, and Mike um, was very sort of influenced, you know, and respectful of other bands. I, I, I really wanted to ask you, um, you must be aware of the TV show in Australia, the music show called Rage. Oh, was it like MCV or MCV? Yeah, like but, but you're, MCV? your famous film clip with Iggy Pop uh, for Real Wild oh, Real Child. Wild Child is yeah. the theme song for the show Rage. Now, Rage has been in Australia for about 35 years. I remember it was on the loop, wasn't it? Yeah, Rage, yeah. Rage. you know, be like a real yeah. wild child, you know? Uh, but yeah. that song and video that you did, didn't you? Yeah, my first ever video. Yeah. As the first video I ever did, and that was because I did the album cover, Blah, Blah, Blah. Yeah. Uh, and and, we, and, and that, that's interesting, because when I think about it, Blah, Blah, Blah and the Psychedelic First were the leader into the kit cover because yeah. uh, that's where I started to because I took Iggy Pop he came you know because Iggy Pop was known as a junkie so we wanted to make him look like he was cal- he had jeans and a black t-shirt on, healthy and, and like a Calvin Klein model and, and and so I was it was that they were my sort of experiments before I got to do the the, the, the kit cover so I had it all perfectly worked out by the time I got to that but yeah Iggy was um that, that was uh, the first video. I was very lucky that that was my first video yeah. you know you couldn't get better than the first video being Real Wild Child with Iggy Pop so that that, that video is as I said the iconic uh, theme to this this I think it's the right. longest running video show in the world uh, oh yeah and, I, remember, uh, I even remember the logo it's that kind of typewriter kind of logo isn't it with a purple that kind of purple it's just in my head I remember it hey did, did you, what did you it's interesting but yeah, when we were there and we were doing Don't Lose Your Head, which Paula, loved. that was her favourite Nexus video. Michael loved it too, because he, 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 he did look great. He looked like a rock, you know. And, but we were going to do, we, we were going out the same night that we went out to that club in South Africa and we went to dance to the Spice Girls and they put Nexus on. <laughs> we, 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 I said, let's do I wanted to, because I got this thing that I was going to move it. I said, let's do this thing, the thing I did with the stars. And, and I get so many people saying they wish that had been the video. What do you guys think of that one? Uh, sorry, I didn't quite understand. I didn't quite understand that with the stars. What, what were you saying there? Oh, oh the, the alternative "Don't Use Your Head" video. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to. You might have, uh, you might have actually gazumped me here because I just know the one where Michael's got the yellow microphone in it. <laughs> with no, the, no, with you, the, you, with, you go look at it. You, Put um, put yeah, Danny you had stars version or alternative version. Okay. And what, yeah, look, because we all went out that night, and I will confess right here now, we took ecstasy, yeah. or the whole band did, and they were almost so. So we really, <laughs> and it was great. It was like in South Africa was the rave at that point. Cape Town was the rave capital of the world, and 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 I don't know if you guys ever took that and in that drug, but to me that was the one drug in that they ever did that was a great drug to be on because it just perpetuate happiness yeah. and love and it was just and, and they made it a class a drug which i didn't get because it it, it, it just you, you felt nothing except for this you know, feeling and and so i shot that in one take and, and it's it's like a blue light on it and, and it's all these stars hanging out yeah. and the band are kind of coming brown behind michael and putting their hands around tell me what you think of that because because yeah, i'd love to say and it's just one take. Yeah, have a look, have a look at that. Yeah, I got the, you on that, didn't I? The searching video yeah. that I think had Aaron in it. Um, I mean, that that was unfortunately a, uh, a single that was 
about to be released or released on around the time of Michael's passing, um, and then sort of suddenly got pulled from um, from distribution as a single. But um, it is a it is a, a great video. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Michael sing that song in Sydney at the Aria Awards, where it was about a year out before the album got released. The next day, they had to fly back to England because their place had been. Um, uh, I was ready by the crew. Yeah. yeah so he'd sung that song, but if you if you ever Googled Mike Hutchins at the Ar- in excess of the Aria Awards 1996, yeah. he nails that song. Um, it's oh, his yeah. last performance he, in Australia. Yeah. He 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 hated what Andrew did to the mix of that record. He that that I think was a bit of a final straw for Michael, and I do believe he was going to quit in excess after that. Too. I do believe, and he he'd had enough. Yeah, because it is a great song, and I get what he I get what he was saying, and 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 it's kind of like we had, and, and I was there. There was an old friend of Michael's and mine from Melbourne called Nick Conroy, who was the assistant director, and that scene in the cab, we said, "This is fuck off and not go back. This is go off and disappear." And that was consistent. That was funny. We we had such fun doing that I don't think Erin is in it oh she might oh I see what I'm saying she might be in the party scene my wife is in it she's the one in the amber at the back of the oh ambulance. okay yeah, yeah yeah um but but um yeah that was and that was good that was the sad thing about that was they were on the down curve at that point yeah and and they were playing in much smaller places and yeah. and I think that's another thing that was hard thing for Michael when you played that's, a t- that's got to be a tough thing. I mean, I, I have to give all credit to Duran Duran because, you know, they, they've come from the brink so many times and, and they managed to get back right back up there again. I mean, you know, they, and they've got a whole new audience now as well. And, and I think so, I think your involvement, I was at uni in 93 and when the, someone mates at me, oh, Duran Duran's got this new song out, uh, it's great. And I'm thinking... Gee, I, I didn't haven't liked anything since Notorious, um, mm-hmm. and then I saw you know the, the you know uh, Ordinary World, which you you know uh, put together, and I guess it's a great example of, of both a film clip and a song meeting each other in the middle. Right. They both really complement each other really well. And that doesn't that, yeah, and that doesn't happen that much. I mean, it, that was the one that that it was like destiny on that because. And they went through, and then, you know, I was friends, but I would struggle with this thing where I was, I was more, at that point, more well known for being an album cover designer, not as well known as being a music video director. So it's, I used to think it was a logical thing to go from one to the next, mm. but they, um, they would look at every other director in the world. And then Paul Boyd, he's a good friend of mine now, he even shot some of that video. Yeah. And then they, and, and the person that worked with me at Limelight, Siobhan Barron, she said, from day one, there's only one person that should be doing this video, and that's Nick. Yeah. You, you can go and see whoever you want to, but, and in the end, they, they did it, and, and it kind of, um, it, it was the perf, it was the, it all came together. It was a beautiful song. You know, the video really captured the mood of that song, and, and, it, and it projected them back into, I think it, I, I sent you that thing with that Duran Duran documentary. Where yes, yes. I'm interviewed John, and we talk about that. Yeah. And, 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 and it was like, I brought them back with that, and I brought them back with um, white white lines, and then uh, three times I helped them bring them back. Duran Duran. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so, but they deserve it because you know what they do is they, they stay relevant. You know. Yeah. They stay relevant. They work with good people. They were Janelle Monae. I mean, before people even knew Janelle Monae was, and they were working with her. And 
and Kaiser and then and then you know, Mark uh, Ronson and they, they surround themselves with good people. So I think Justin Timberlake yeah, was uh, helping produce one of their albums. I think uh, yeah, that was a record that didn't do very well. Red, Mas- <laughs> Red, Red Carpet Massacre. Massacre. I think yeah, yeah um, which is. But, but I think Simon, look, Simon actually was out in Australia in the early 80s and I think he heard Original Sin on the radio and heard the funk sort of production of Noel Rogers and was like, wow, oh, yeah, that's right. this? I want to meet this well, band. Well, Michael, Michael and Simon were actually pretty close. Yeah. They're pretty good friends. You know, I, you know so, so and my, and Simon and I and Yasmin also, I, you know, I, went, I saw them, the band not so long ago, so we went to the 50th anniversary of NASA and and um, we were talking about that night and, you know, all of a sudden, so, Bad, you know, when Paul and Michael disappeared upstairs, and and then and then you know, I, I, Michael dragged me out to this dinner with Paula. I mean, it was going on with Michael, and so we went in and he bought a twenty thousand dollar necklace, and I said, Michael, that's a twenty thousand dollar admission of guilt. It's like you should have bought a bunch of flowers. That's what it would have been <laughs> like. And then you know, as soon as I said, it all broke up. Interesting guy. I, I've just been I, going backwards and forwards. I'm supposed to be at work, but I'm listening in, and you're just uh, so intriguing and so, yep. so um, awesome to listen to. I, I promise this oh, is the sweet. last one, but I, I do need to uh, just because you said earlier before That's B was good. on that how you discovered our podcast. Do you want to just share that oh, anecdote about uh, how you discovered uh, yeah. it? Well, yeah, because I I was um, I went we went. To get me and the family, I got, I got married for 22 years now. The one that I proposed to in South France, and we're still Congratulations. together. Congratulations! And, and so, and we've got, I've got a child, Roman, who Michael was a godfather to from a previous relationship, and then I got two children with my wife Anne, uh, and they actually were my crew on that MV Marshall video. My daughter was only 14 at the time, was the stunt driver. My other son was so, so we did it as a family with his family. <laughs> But we went up to the coast to get away for a couple of days and, and I was like, oh, I've got this pod bean thing, you know, and I'm like, so I started to, oh, what's interesting on here? And I was going through stuff and I found a story about uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so I listening to that and I heard, and there was another really good one about um, Marie Antoinette, which I was listening to. And, and I went into the, um, into the popular, because there's so many. I mean, yeah. so yeah. many, it's, it's almost overwhelming. And then I went into the um, music side, and of course, and I saw in excess. And and then I'm usually skeptical about them, and and, and I, I listened to it, and I thought, well, is that, it's really well done, and not I hate to say we're professional, but but you know, a lot of these podcasts don't come across very professional. They're sort of like streams of consciousness, and it, and it was great because you had a sort of a, a set purpose to where you were yeah. going with it, um, and and I thought. Oh, and then I noticed that I was friends with, I don't know, I noticed I was friends with Hayden on Facebook, and I was like, you know what, I, if you want to, I'll do a thing about whatever you want to do about in excess, because I felt like it would be good for you to have that Absolutely. inside oh, thing. Oh, it's brilliant. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. Well, B, 
I think that's a bit of a wrap. What a, a part one with uh, Nick there. I, it feels exhausting listening back to it. It was so much full of great stuff, yeah? Well, I, I just find him so energetic but humble at the same time. He's just yeah. got such a good, yeah, a good vibe around him. I just could yeah. listen to him for ages and he's got so much good stuff to tell us. It was brilliant. Yeah. And, look, you know, coming into next week, we hope it's sort of wet the whistle. It's sort of part one there of of technically part three of the kick series. Um, but, yeah, we're going to roll it into next week with some more stuff there. Um, there's plenty of stuff we haven't shared with you today. But, yes, look forward to that one. Um, in terms of competitions uh, for the book, now we've had a bit of a, a book competition with Clemo, haven't we? And we've got mm-hmm. three was it three books to give away. Three books to give away, Yeah, yes. and we wanted, what we wanted to do, we, I think the initial goal of the criteria was a, our first patron or new patron, there was going to be one going out to uh, one of our more experienced patrons. Was there a third book winner for another reason? The questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the best questions to the band. Best questions to the band. Yeah, that's right, to band members and stuff like that. So we do want to let people know we've been getting lots and lots of feedback and info on that. Um, So uh, we are coming towards the end of this month as this podcast is released, so we will announce those winners next week. Next week, yes. uh, Which will be cool. But obviously we announced a bit of a winner earlier, so that's something to look forward to. Um, Also, too, we have had a lot of patrons ask us when we will be doing the Calling All Nations uh, fan engagement uh, podcast where you can get on and chat to myself and B. and uh, we will be doing that not next week. Uh, We'll have Nick Egan's part two on, but we will do it the following week, which will be episode 28. So there's been some really generous patrons in the last sort of four to six weeks have contributed, uh, and we're going to try to get as many of you onto that next podcast as we can. Uh, and just get to know you and share and, and, and figure out what your in-excess experience been like. Um, they've been some of our most listened to podcasts and they've been a lot of fun sort of meeting uh, the in-excess fans out there. So uh, that will be uh, episode 28 for those who are keen to get on that. And we will uh, adjust an, uh, uh, invitations and time zones so we can all get in a reasonable time to talk to each <laughs> other, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of platforms, B, where can the listeners sort of hit us up on and where some of the places they can listen to this? Okay. Well, the best place to find us is Podbean. The Podbean app is downloadable free onto any of your devices. Spotify, you can find us on, iTunes and Apple Music. Yeah. Now, one of the things, B, you know, to her te- technical credit rather than mine, has put together that little, is it a, what do you call it, a QR code? What's it called? A QR code, yes. Yeah. So we do know a lot of people who, you know, love to share info and things out to their friends. Um, how do people sort of, you know, if you've got somebody you think might like this podcast, how can they use that QR code, B? Well, it's best if they can just um, find it on our Facebook page. I've, put, I've linked it to the very top, so it's yep. pinned right there. So you go to um, the Facebook page, cover page, and um, just um, save it onto your phone. Save it into a little album, keep it, and then share it. They can, um, they can just, if you get it up on your phone, they can actually um, take a photo of it and it comes yeah. straight to there. Yeah, take yeah. straight to the podcast. So we'd love to get a bigger reach out there. The bigger reach means the more people can sort of jump on board this movement. Uh, mm. We also will have uh, in the next week or two, Dr. Jim, uh, my fellow Melbourne alumni who will pop onto our podcast just to update us on <clears throat> the Rock Hall of Fame petition that he's been working on. So we think that's gaining some traction. We'd love to share, yeah, a lot. share that yeah. out there with, with all of you. And to sort of do a bit of a tribute to uh, Nick as uh, our, our special guest today, what we thought we would do for all listeners out there is we always try to find a little bit of a LinkedIn excess with the tribute songs. And 
We won't be as literal and put on things such as sort of searching or don't lose your head, which are the two videos he directed. Um, what we thought we would do today is actually put on the very first video that Nick ever made. Um, and there is a little bit of a link to, to Michael here where uh, this video was uh, made for the artist Iggy Pop and the song is called Real Wild Child. Uh, and it's one of the most famous songs that's on sort of late night TV, TV in Australia where uh, the show Rage, which has been the longest running musical show in the world, has this as their sort of moniker theme songs, you know, opening credits uh, song. So uh, this was quite an iconic video. And I know Michael and Iggy Pop, there's several photos that have been shared around in the last week through our platforms of Michael and Iggy at parties and hanging out and things like that. So I know they had a really good relationship and I think they both might have done some tribute work at the Elvis sort of uh, tribute concert and things. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we thought we would sort of do homage to, to Nick mm. uh, with this video. Uh, it was his first ever video directed. And as I said, it's a, a real iconic a one. one. Yes. We think that uh, it's very rock and roll and sums up the probably Rick. It probably sums up Nick, sums up Michael, Iggy, <laughs> and UB, real wild child. <laughs> so it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. See you, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. I'm a real wild one. Wild one. Wild one. Wild one.